Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bosco, this is episode 179 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Rolling solo today, uh, bringing you the top 15 things that we learned as a team in 2019 that can hopefully help us make better decisions in 2020 and get us more prepared heading into draft season, dealing with free agency, trades, the NFL draft, and mid-season moves. Let's take you through it really quick. Lucas and I devised a list of about 15 things that we want to run through with you, and some of these are be more value, valuable than others for sure. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel, of course. Leave a rate and review on the podcast right away. But uh, during this video, when you hear me bring something up, make sure you shoot a comment down there and let me know if you agree or disagree and maybe some things that you learned in 2019 uh, that can help our listeners and our viewers with the page and the channel so that I can go ahead and share those out as well. Of course, we're a family thing here. We want to make sure that we're getting out the best advice as possible. So if I skip something or I miss something that you found valuable learning from 2019, please drop it in the comments below and let us know. Let's dive right into it. Number one, uh, these are somewhat in chronological order, but not necessarily in order of importance. Um, so I'll just run through them the best I can uh, synchronistically here. Number one, drop name value on players when drafting. Fantasy value is more important than name value. Some examples in their recent uh, memory here, Tom Brady at quarterback, Shady McCoy at running back, Antonio Brown at receiver, and Jimmy Graham at tight end, just to name a few. So, of course, all of these guys have had historic fantasy football careers, um, borderline Hall of Fame careers, depending on what you look, like, what you look at during their time in the NFL, um, and they've all been absolute stalwarts on many rosters for many years of their career. However, they're all in the downturn now. We all know about Antonio Brown, but Jimmy Graham, Shady, and Tom Brady are on their way out as well. Um, and I think it's important to take aside their name brand and what they have been and maybe what they've been on your teams in the past and realize what they are now, what they are today. So it might be a better idea to skip on Brady, Shady, uh, AB, of course, but and Jimmy Graham and look for the younger guys coming up through the ranks. Um, do they still have value potentially depending on where they land? But at this point, not so much with the exception of maybe uh, Tom Brady somewhere in two QB leagues. So make sure that you're, you're careful with guys, you know, uh, I don't know, Alshon Jeffrey would be another one who's injured quite a bit, um, but had some great early seasons. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, same thing. Um, you know, Frank Gore, of course, you're not really playing, but Jordan Howard might be another one uh, who had a couple of good years, but now we kind of see where he's at. So just a couple of names to um, really think about their fantasy value over who they are and the name on the back of the Jersey. So number one, drop name value on players when drafting fantasy value is more important than the name value overall. Number two, air yards are king and will remain king. So air yards is a big thing Lucas talks about all the time, right? So air yards are basically, um, whether it's a catch or not, air yards are from the quarterback to the receiver and how far the ball actually travels. So a huge air yard candidate every single year and somebody that really thrives with this uh, model is somebody like Mike Evans, right, with Jameis Winston, of course. So Mike Evans is constantly getting targeted way down the field. Now, if he was if he catches the ball, he's almost 20 yards downfield every time. So that's automatically 20 yards plus what he can do after the catch. So air yards is very indicative of the type of route that the receiver is running. Of course, this goes for uh, tight ends and um, running backs as well. So pass catchers, I should say. But this is also letting you know, um, taking away the completion percentages and taking away the drops and the actual uh, receptions every single time, this is more of a model of 
what is the team, what is the quarterback, what is the pass catcher uh, and the scheme doing to move the ball down the field, right? So um, let's take uh, Alex Smith, for example. For a long time, he's been kind of dinking and dunking short by um, – the line of scrimmage, Tom Brady at this point in his career as well. Not so much airing it out. Now guys like Matt Stafford and uh, Big Ben, uh, uh, Russell Wilson for sure, um, and um, of course some of these, you know, Mahomes is a big one, Aaron Rodgers, Jameis Winston. They have a lot of air yards, so those receivers and pass catchers have a better opportunity to get bigger plays. So when you're drafting guys, uh, look for guys who are getting the air yard um, – possibility dk metcalf mike evans those kind of guys so number two air yards are king and will remain king number three no more garbage time analysis so this is one that lucas put in here and um i agree with but i kind of i don't disagree per se but i wanted to mention it because he's he wanted to basically mention that um a lot of fantasy players get frustrated um that they might lose a match depending on garbage time Right. And if you're new to the channel and new to fantasy football in general, garbage time basically is when the game is more or less wrapped up, maybe the last five minutes, the last drive, um, the last 10 minutes, depending on the scoring. And quarterbacks, you know, are just chucking the ball um, and DBs are playing way back just to play prevent. So you're getting PPR catch, PPR yards, getting late touchdowns and those kind of things that don't actually affect the NFL game, uh, but they are obviously still important to fantasy football. So Lucas gets frustrated with that, um, which I understand. Uh, I am frustrated with it too, just in the way that it happens. But the reality is for every time that you lose to some garbage time uh, cheapness, if you will, uh, throughout the season, you're also going to benefit from those too. So um, I've definitely been on both sides of that. And it happens throughout the season. You're going to have a random guy uh, get a touchdown with 30 seconds left down by three touchdowns. They're still playing the. They're still playing the game. They're professional athletes. They're trying to make their stats and whatnot. So they're still going to make it happen. The reality is, it does affect your uh, fantasy roster and your fantasy league. So um, I know it's frustrating, but the reality is, it is part of the game, and uh, it's always important that those stats come around at the end of the week because when you're going through and you're finding your matches, sometimes you don't even catch the fact that uh, somebody might have had a garbage time touchdown. So. Keep an eye on those. It's more of something just to just to mention, but the reality is garbage time does matter for fantasy football, but I think what Lucas is trying to say is that garbage time is not necessarily something for us to really look into, such as did he have, you know, he had a 50-yard touchdown with 25 seconds left down by a couple of scores. Would that have happened in a competitive game? You know, possibly not. So just trying to be more realistic. So number three, no more garbage time analysis. Number four, uh, the late round QB strategy uh, is the way to go, right? So um, this is one that I put down and I haven't been anti uh, late round QB by any means, but I've always been one the last couple of years to draft uh, a high profile quarterback early. Um, nowadays, it would be, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course, uh, maybe uh, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, something like that. And then in, say, round 10 through 15, uh, I'm going to scoop up another guy. Maybe it's a rookie quarterback. Maybe it's somebody with upside. Maybe it's somebody that's injured now that dropped. Um, whatever it is, just in case my, my high-profile guy gets hurt. I've been using that strategy for years, and it's worked for the most part. I've only been burned a couple times when that quarterback at the top gets hurt. But, you know, say la vie. Uh, I will say, though, now I am starting to find a lot more value in the late-round quarterback strategy. 
So my man, JJ Zacharyson, I highly recommend you check out his uh, late round podcast. Um, he's fantastic. They're like 15, 20 minute episodes, nice and quick. Uh, I kind of like to let him build up over a week or so. And then I just put them on repeat and blast through them in a couple of hours, but tons of insight. He's one of my favorite analysts in the entire um, industry, but he kind of made the late round QB model popular. And basically what it is, is there's so much value at the quarterback position late round that you can still spend that third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick on top end receivers, running backs, and potentially a tight end if you want to go that direction as well. So you're getting more value up at the top of your drafts with um, running backs and receivers that you really need to hit on. And then you can go and wait. So last year, Dak Prescott, um, Lamar Jackson, of course, uh, Josh Allen, um, Kyler Murray, some of these guys were way late. Matt Stafford, right? These guys were getting drafted way late and you were still able to play them every single week. Now, are they top tier? Probably not, but they're going to be nice and steady for you. And again, you're going to have those top tier running backs, receivers, and tight ends. So look for uh, running quarterbacks as well when you're doing that. Obviously, the running quarterback has so much more value. We've seen with Cam Newton for years. Uh, I still don't think he's a very good quarterback, uh, whether he's um, healthy or not these days. But my argument for the last couple of years is that he's not a great quarterback, but he does run, so he's awesome for fantasy football. So <clears throat> rushing quarterbacks have the huge uh, floor as well, so target that. In super flex leagues, hoard quarterbacks. So just another note on the quarterbacks, too, so if you're playing super flex, uh, which is essentially the regular flex, but you're also able to add a QB position to that if you'd like, or two QB leagues, um, hoard the quarterbacks. You're going to have two for sure. You're going to have three for sure, maybe even four or five, depending on how your league works and how deep your bench is. You don't want to go too crazy because you don't want to waste spots. You could have somebody else. Uh, but the reality is uh, with your fantasy roster, you're playing offense for yourself with the amount of guys that you want, but you're also playing defense against your competitor. So if you have, you know, say two or three quarterbacks, you know, you're going to play, maybe grab a couple deep sleeper quarterbacks that you can either trade away or you can have in case of injury, you could swap out uh, depending on the matchup there. So number four, um, late round QB is the way to go target running quarterbacks and in super flex horde QBs. Number five draft early or way late on tight ends. So for me, Kelsey, and Kittle are the only ones that uh, I think Lucas and I have decided that we would even consider taking in the second round. I'm not taking a tight end in the first round period, um, unless I was in a kind of a weird keeper league where I, I don't know, I had a running back and receiver dealt with, and I had a late round first, a late first round pick or something. In an unusual circumstance, I would consider it, but in a regular draft, I'm not going to draft a uh, tight end that early. But if I were to, it would be Kelsey or Kittle. Um, I'm not sure who I have ahead just yet I lean Kelsey still love my boy Kittle as you know but I think Kelsey has the edge still um, but I will have my first round of rankings uh, once the draft hits in May um, so I'll get to that later but draft early on the Q on the tight end get those high profile guys or draft way late uh, you can always stream quarterbacks and tight ends but never running back so again with the quarterback and the tight end point you want to get those get your guy super early and then back end it late in the draft or just forfeit the position until the end of your draft. Cause you're still going to be able to find value. You know, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, um, Hawkinson, you know, some of these guys you are able to find way deep in drafts. Uh, Eric Ebron two years ago before he broke out, um, you can kind of sit on those guys, which I think uh, might be a good idea there. So if you don't go early on the tight end, I would wait all the way to your end of your draft. So number five draft early or wait way late on tight ends. Number six, with so many top-tier running backs becoming pass catchers, uh, drafting a running back in the top four picks in early in your drafts is mandatory. 
So I've been generally uh, not necessarily a zero RB guy forever, but I've definitely been a wide receiver heavy because uh, I play primarily uh, PPR leagues um, and some have bonus scoring and whatnot. So I want um, high profile receivers more so than the running backs traditionally playing for over a decade. However, that's quickly changing. Uh, McCaffrey, Saquon, uh, Zeke, even Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. I mean, Leonard Fournette this year, uh, Alvin Kamara. These guys are all uh, great pass catchers, and it's become a huge part of the game uh, for most teams in the NFL anyway. So you're now kind of getting a dual threat, um, dual opportunity player, uh, which having one of those running backs, assuming they're successful and healthy, of course, uh, is massive. So last year, I kind of went against the grain if I had I don't think I had a pick in any draft last year actually um higher than number five if I believe if I remember correctly so in most drafts that I had last year all four of those top guys uh, last year was some order of uh CMC Saquon Alvin Kamara and Zeke and I would generally go with the highest receiver ranked uh, mostly Devonta Adams which I know backfired um but Devonta Adams uh Hopkins um even Julio last year because I wanted them over David Johnson last year in drafts or Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cooks. I just wasn't sure with those guys. So um, this year I will be targeting one of those top end running backs for the first four or five picks. Uh, I'm going to pass on Michael Thomas for the most part. Um, again, unless I have a uh, interesting keeper situation where it lends me to pick uh, a receiver that early. Um, I love Michael Thomas. I think he's absolutely a beast. I don't expect him to completely uh, repeat what he did this year historically all across the board. Um, but I would rather just save a little bit, maybe grab a, a high profile running back at that position instead of getting Michael Thomas like number three or four overall right now, which is pretty crazy. So um, I am going to be stacking up on running backs early in drafts. I think there's a lot of wide receiver value late in drafts this year. We have a huge rookie incoming uh, class for the NFL Combine that we've just seen through free agency we'll have some moves and then the NFL draft. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, up and coming receivers that you can grab way late in your drafts. So my recommendation is to stack running backs early um, and uh, hold off on the receivers. And again, quarterback and tight end late, depending on your draft position. Of course, we'll have a whole draft uh, position strategy episode later on as we get closer to the summer. So number six, uh, with so many top-tier running backs becoming pass catchers, drafting a running back in the top four picks or early in your draft in general is mandatory. Number seven, if you go with a receiver in the top four, you must get a running back in the second round. So kind of just piggybacking on that again. If you do happen to go with a top-end wide receiver such as Michael Thomas or um, Hopkins or whomever you have up there, then uh, I highly recommend you get a running back in the second round because after that, we see the tiers drop off tremendously after the second, third round for most running backs. Um, and I don't want Mark Ingram as my RB one, for example, uh, with like Duke Johnson as my RB two or something. Um, I like both those running backs in general, but I want those guys as my three or fourth options, not my first or second options. And that's what I've been kind of falling into over the years, uh, going pretty heavy wide receiver. So something I've been learning is I'm going to go with a, a running back in one of the first two picks of my drafts for the most part, unless I just find crazy value or something, or I have say the, the 12 and one uh, picks in the first and second round. And a lot of running backs go before me, maybe I'll audible to get those high profile receivers. But again, in a regular circumstance, I'm going to grab a running back in the first or second round and maybe both in some cases. 
So number seven, if you go with the wide receiver in the top four, you must go with the running back in the back of the second round. Number eight, uh, plan ahead. This is kind of a, a generic one, right? So you want to study up. You want to uh, either if you have your own rankings or you, you know you follow us, you can check out our rankings or whomever else you follow. Look at the rankings, study those. Uh, do your own research as well as look into the research that you're getting from um, analysts around the industry. Uh, look into injury and position updates throughout the summer. Um, every once in a while, you know, a tweaked ankle could be nothing. I'll get into injuries here in a second, but a tweaked ankle could be nothing, but could also be lingering for the entire season, um, dropping that player down with productivity. So be careful there. And position battles. Uh, you want to know if your, you know, number one running back is going to have his job taken in four weeks because there's this young buck coming up behind him. So pay attention to that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of that isn't covered through fantasy analysis and or ESPN, which I know a lot of people just get all their shit from ESPN. Um, a lot of that behind the scenes stuff isn't covered other than a mention or two. So if you miss that, you're not going to get it. So take the time to go through your roster, go through the players that you like and don't like maybe, and just check them out over the summer every once in a while to see what their actual statuses are from last year's injuries are coming in forward. And uh, also mock draft, mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. Um, it becomes kind of a sickness for people like myself and Lucas and the rest of our team and people that do uh, fantasy football the way that we do year round um, come around. Uh, I've only done like one or two just to kind of see where the new players are at, but I don't even get into mock drafts until after the NFL draft. So I'm not going to touch it for real until April. I'm also probably not going to go really heavy until maybe mid June, late June, but come July into August, I'm going to be mock drafting probably one or two a day, to be honest. And uh, by the end of the summer, I mean, I'm probably going to have a couple hundred mock drafts and I do all different settings. I do different uh, positions. Um, of course, we always recommend the fantasy pros uh, draft wizard, which you can get an app on your phone. Uh, they're not a sponsor, uh, unfortunately, or not yet, at least um, just a tool that we've all been using for a long time. And is very helpful. Uh, the ESPN ones, the Yahoo, things like that can just take forever. And if somebody picks a kicker in the fourth round, it's just a trash draft and you wasted all that time. Sleeper is a great one too. There's a lot of other avenues, but I use the fantasy wizard cause I can blaze through. It automates all the other picks. You just have a really good idea and it's a consensus ranking. Um, the ECR is the expert consensus ranking on fantasy pros. And it takes all of their, um, uh, uh, collective insight and rankings on all these players and divvies them up, which changes daily, of course, uh, depending on the analyst. So every once in a while you will have, you know, you're not going to have the same four guys drafted every single time. So um, you can also pick uh, when you want to, uh, when you want to draft. So if you want to draft in the two position uh, or you want to draft in the 10 position, um, you can set that setting and do it. PPR, of course, rookie only standard, whatever uh, settings, half point, you can do all that stuff. So I highly recommend it. But when you're mock drafting, pay attention. You know, it gives you a grade at the end. The grade doesn't mean shit. Um, I'm going to get into, again, I'm going to get into kind of the strategy of mock drafting in another episode. The grade doesn't mean anything. Um, if it's a terrible grade, just pay attention to what happened. You know, if you pick, a, if you pick like Kittle and Lamar Jackson in the second and the third round, the computer's not going to like that because that's not what the analysts do. So it's going to probably grade you like a C on your draft. But if you like that team and you were able to fill the other positions, who gives a shit, right? Also, if you get an A plus or something, 
you may have just lucked out on value or something. It may not be indicative of, of what's actually going to happen come uh, August when you are doing drafts for real. So it's important to mock draft. I mock draft a ton. I highly recommend you mock draft as well um, <clears throat> and use that, uh, use that wizard. Uh, I have it on my phone. So on my lunch break at work or something, I can blast through and it literally takes me five minutes and I have a good idea of where everybody's starting to fall. Again, we're in free agency. We're going to have the NFL draft coming up. The combine just finished. So, so many things are up in the air and a lot of the ADP is going to change uh, average draft position. But um, once we get into it in July, it'll be pretty finite and you'll know where to expect guys come your real drafts. So uh, number eight, plan ahead, study, look into rankings, do your own research, look into injury and position updates and mock draft as often as you possibly can. Number nine, pay attention to the hype, but don't feel obligated to buy into it. And additionally, listen to coaches speak, but only really pay attention to the negatives in the off season. So first point, pay attention to the hype, but don't be obligated to buy into it. So if you've been following football for a long time or fantasy football, or you watch the combine or uh, any of the stuff, you know that everybody's in the best shape of their life. Anybody that was hurt last year is healed up and everybody looks great. Um, this guy dropped weight. This guy gained weight. This guy's faster, blah, blah, blah. Everything sounds good right now because they're not, they don't have practices. They're not hitting each other. They don't have pads on. It all looks good. Um, you know, all these players look like uh, superheroes in their little spandex suits out at the, at the combine. But the reality is once they get the uniform on, once they're actually, you know, hitting each other and get into position, things change. So listen to the hype, pay attention to it, but don't feel obligated to buy into it. On the second hand, listen to coaches speak, but only really pay attention to the negatives of the off season. So I take Pete Carroll, for example, in Seattle always, right? No matter what's going on, he is very optimistic. Now I appreciate that as like a life philosophy, but for coaching uh, and fantasy analysis and giving uh, information to the public, uh, which ESPN and everybody else shares with us, um, it's oftentimes misleading, right? So we take the Chris Carson example from last year. He had fumble issues. Pete was like, he's my guy, he's my guy, he's my guy. Now it turns out he was, and he kept giving him a chance. But Penny came in for a couple of weeks, was crushing, ended up getting hurt and done for the season. So Chris Carson rode the wave. If Penny doesn't get hurt, I'm not so sure that he doesn't take over because Chris Carson was fumbling. So just one example of these guys who – um, they're going to tell you everything that you want to hear. They're going to mislead other teams because they know damn well we're not the only ones listening to these things. You know, representatives of each team's head coaches, other players around the league are watching ESPN, paying attention to fantasy things and whatnot too. So they want to kind of mislead each other. It's a chess match before the season. So um, the negative stuff is generally what I pay attention to the most. Like if a guy got injured or a guy lost his job or it's not a good fit or the scheme isn't working, he's having trouble picking up the playbook, that kind of stuff is a red flag for me for sure because they're not going to make up negative shit. Um, they're just going to overemphasize the positive things. Uh, so I take the negative um, feedback during the offseason much more serious than I do the positive. So number nine, pay attention to the hype and don't feel obligated to buy into it. And furthermore, listen to coaches speak, but only really pay attention to the negatives in the offseason. Number 10, monitoring coaches changes. And this is something where there's a lot of movement with players that fantasy people, listeners, and just kind of, uh, you know, casual fantasy players know and figure out where players end up but not often do we pay attention or care where our uh, coaches end up and oftentimes I'm a firm believer that actually where the coaches end up is more important most of the time 
to the grand uh, scheme of fantasy football than where an individual team uh, player ends up. I'll take Le'Veon Bell, for example. Last year, I don't have any qualms with Le'Veon Bell as a player. I love his career up until the point that he sat in now on the Jets. I was fading him on every podcast I possibly could with every guest that I had all season last year, and a lot of people were giving me shit about it because he's Le'Veon Bell. My issue was he goes to the Jets, which is a new spot. He has just sat out a year, uh, but he has a new head coach in Adam Gase, who has not been terribly successful. He did have a good year, but he's not terribly successful. And furthermore, the offensive line was not very good for the Jets. The running style of Le'Veon Bell traditionally matched with the subpar performance of the Jets offensive line. I thought was going to be a problem with him getting blown up in the backfield and not being able to attack the hole. Sure enough, he did. Um, he still had a shit ton of touches, which he knew was going to happen. He stayed healthy, so he had a decent fantasy season. But as Chris, our good brother from the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast, would tell you in our listener league, they picked Le'Veon Bell, and he did not kill their league, uh, did not kill their team, but he wasn't the Le'Veon Bell that they drafted in the second round. So just be careful about some of that stuff. And when you're monitoring coaching changes, I think of last year, Kevin Stefanski came over to the Vikings, very run-heavy team. We saw what happened with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Freddie Kitchens uh, was the OC there for the uh, Browns, took over midseason in 2018, got promoted to the head coach in 2019, clearly kind of unqualified overall, didn't match well enough with Baker. Odell comes in, shit got weird, really a diva situation in Cleveland that didn't work out for anybody. Kitchens couldn't fi- uh, figure it out. He gets fired. Stefanski now gets uh, over to Cleveland. We'll see what he can do. And another one, um, Bruce Arians, who took a couple years off of uh, off of the NFL but he has been doing very well in his NFL career forever. Long time with the Steelers, long time with the Colts, long time with the uh, Cardinals, and now in uh, Tampa Bay. Um, He's a great coach, and he's an offensive mind, and he has this kind of air raid attack, which is awesome, which is how Jameis Winston, as shitty as he is, had 5,000 yards passing and 30 touchdowns. Now, Jameis is responsible for the 30 interceptions with his LASIK eye surgery and whatnot, but um, Bruce Arians is able to – mold a quarterback uh, to do that. We saw him kind of resurrect Carson Palmer's career with the Cardinals. Uh, So keep an eye on coaching changes. Uh, There's a few significant ones coming down the pipe. Uh, We'll see what happens as the, as the season develops, of course, and second round guys too uh, across the league. I definitely want to take into consideration Matt LaFleur, of course, second year with Rogers and the Packers who did really well last year. Um, And then uh, Zach Taylor, uh, primarily with the Bungles, who should have Joe Burrow in a couple of weeks, uh, but then kind of kickstart with them with a great receiving core, healthy offensive line, a better defense, and Joe Mixon uh, coming around again, and they just got back, uh, retained A.J. Green. So excited to see what happens in the second year there. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona is another one with Kyler Murray and everybody. So there's a lot of things in the second year, but also watch the movement. So number 10, monitoring the coaching changes. Number 11, injuries and bye weeks can be no big deal or make for fantasy casualties. So I've gone into injuries quite a bit. Um, I don't need to spend a lot more time on that. Basically, I'm talking preseason while you're drafting and then, of course, going into the actual NFL season. So with injuries, again, make sure you you really pay attention to um, the injury severity of these guys uh aj green for example right hurt in 17 hurt in 18 comes back in 19 we kind of hear like okay it's lingering so his draft stock falls so he falls and he falls and he falls i picked him up in like the seventh or eighth round in every draft i could because if he's 
80% AJ Green. He's probably a wide receiver too, at least. And I got him in the eighth round. Of course, he never came back around because it lingered and lingered and lingered and lingered and he didn't want to come back. Other guys come in, like Des Bryant comes in, plays a game for the Saints or practices for the Saints, tears his Achilles, he's done again. Alshon Jeffrey, constantly injured. We've seen Deshaun Watson, uh, Matt Breida, or sorry, Deshaun Jackson, excuse me, um, Matt Breida, uh, Shady McCoy over the years. These guys kind of play like four plays at a time and they have to come off because they have all these lower body um, injuries. So soft tissue scare me more than a legit torn ligament or a broken bone because those they'll be out for the season anyway, and they can fix them and recover and come back often better, you know, stronger than ever with today's technology. A bigger issue is the soft tissue stuff. So if they're tearing quads or they're tearing abdominal muscles or pectorals up here for running backs or quarterbacks, um, anything like that, that's more of an issue for me because they don't really heal because they don't take the time to heal them uh, and they try to get back in the in the in the flow and get injured again. So careful with the injuries, monitor those for sure. Bye weeks uh, are interesting. So we talked about um, bye weeks as far as draft order position a little bit ago, and I'll go into it again here. Um, this will also be part of our kind of our um, draft strategy episode coming up in a little bit. Basically, bye weeks, I'm personally not worried about, and I know Lucas isn't worried about having multiple bye weeks on your team in the same week. So, for example, if you had, uh, let's say, five out of your 16-player roster or something, five of them had a bye week in week seven. Um, Not the end of the world. However, I don't want to intentionally take two quarterbacks or two tight ends with the same bye week. And that's because when week seven comes along, and I have two quarterbacks that both can't play, I have to um, I have to go find somebody on the waiver and stream anyway. So if I had, for example, making this up, say Mahomes and Dak Prescott last year I could have drafted, right, in like the first couple rounds, back couple rounds. If I get to week seven, I've been playing Mahomes all year because you're not going to bench him unless he gets hurt. And I don't play Dak, and I'm like, oh, I'll just play Dak on Mahomes' bye week. Well, the bye week comes up and actually – Dak has the same bye week I just screwed the pooch and now I got to bench both of them and pick up Case Keenum or something stupid uh, to fill that void um, for that week so what I like to do is not really pay attention to buys when I'm drafting but just pay attention to how many and take a note I don't want four running backs with the same bye week I don't want four receivers with the same bye week I don't want two quarterbacks and tight ends with the same bye week but if I had one at each position in week eight or something not the end of the world also, if you really want those players that you're going to draft and they just happen to all have similar bye weeks or if you load up on a particular team, so say you pick a bunch of Chiefs, a bunch of Packers, and a bunch of 49ers, and all of those guys happen to have a week uh, nine bye, then most of your roster is going to be on bye for week nine. I would rather have that personally and just kind of forfeit week nine and put out a, a chunk roster and just kind of lose that week if I have to to keep the players that I want instead of having – a prime uh, player on by each week. So by weeks aren't usually a big deal. Um, sometimes they don't even matter because players are getting hurt or you're trading them or you're dropping them or whatever, but just keep track of when you're drafting uh, what the injury circumstances are for your player and when that bye week is and make sure that you don't double up too much unless you want to just go for it and then kind of forfeit a week or two during the season and stay strong the rest of the time. So number 11, Injuries and bye weeks can be a big deal or make uh, be no big deal or make for fantasy casualties. 
couple more here. Number 12, keep track of who you offered in trades and then revisit those trades as the season develops. So I am um, a big proponent of trading in the middle of the season. I love to trade. I think it's a lot of fun. I usually pull off a couple in each league just because I like to move players around and I have certain favorite players that maybe I don't get to draft, so I want to get them later on. Um, you need to make sure that you keep track of who you tried to trade to who in your league. So if Lucas and I say are trying to pull off a trade um, and he doesn't want to trade a certain guy at a particular time, I might revisit that in three weeks if that guy has a bad week or he comes up with kind of a, a weak injury that maybe I can capitalize on to get him because Lucas doesn't want to handle that injury. He doesn't want to deal with him being uh, frustrating. So he might be like, okay, you know what? Actually, I am willing to trade him now. I want to pay attention to that kind of stuff. I also don't want to offer people trades multiple times if they're just like, no, dude, I'm not trading Julio Jones but I really want Julio Jones. I don't want to keep asking them throughout the season. A, it's just shitty etiquette. But B, it's just kind of you're clearly not paying attention. It's kind of rude uh, to the rest of your teammates. So pay attention there. Number 12, keep track of who you offer, uh, who to in trades, and revisit those as the season develops. Number 13, if the opportunity presents itself, uh, handcuff running backs, top-tier wide receivers and tight ends, Spend your fab and your top waiver wire priority in the first couple of weeks. That's usually when you're going to find the most value generally. And when you're using your fab, use all of it and don't wait to use it. So first of all, fab, if you're new uh, to this uh, waiver um, uh, tool, I should say, uh, fab is free agent acquisition budget, F-A-A-B. It's an acronym for free agent acquisition budget. Basically, it's a fancy term for um, kind of in mid-season auction. Uh, now, players do not have um, individual uh, values like an auction draft would have. Uh, but what happens is the week comes up. Uh, let's take Kenyon Drake, for example. Um, Chase Edmonds goes down. David Johnson goes down. Uh, Kenyon Drake comes up after the trade. A lot of people wanted him. What happens is you just bid uh, closetly in the dark. You bid on him. Um, on Monday and then Wednesday when waivers pass through, the highest bidder gets Kenyon Drake. And you don't get to see who people bid until after it had happened. So uh, that was midseason. If I use all my fab early, unfortunately, I'm not going to have enough to probably compete with somebody. And if I have not used it, then I can really go all in. And I might use like, you know, if I had $100, uh, quote unquote, I might use 65 on Kenyon Drake to make sure that I got him where I know that maybe Lucas and Chris, those guys only have say 35, $40 left. And I know that cause I can see their overall bankroll. Um, so I can outbid them automatically to make sure that I get him. And of course you only spend the money if you win the auction. Basically though, a lot of that value is going to come up early in the season um, because top tier running backs are going to get hurt. It happens every year. Top receiver is going to go down. It happens every year. Um, and that second, third guy coming up through the pipeline might be on your waiver wire. You're going to want to grab them. Sometimes you can just get a guy for two, three, four, five bucks. No problem. Cause nobody else wants them. Other times when it's a big name, like the Kenyon Drake thing, you're going to have to spend most of your fab on the other side with the top uh, waiver wire priority. When do you want to use it? When do you want to give it up? That kind of thing. I use it as soon as it makes sense. Last year, unfortunately, in A-League, I held it and I held it and I held it and I held it because I was waiting for better opportunities. The better opportunity never came. I ended up using it on Ty Johnson, which obviously didn't uh, do much for me, uh, but I was getting to the end of the season. I had to use it, so I finally used it on Ty Johnson. That obviously was a dud, and that was like a, a week or two before the Kenyon Drake thing, so I waited super long, which hurt me, and then I used it kind of at the wrong point, and then I wasn't able to use it for Kenyon Drake, so... 
Be careful with those, use them wisely, but don't be afraid to pull the trigger and use them. So number 13, if the opportunity presents itself, handcuff running back, top tier wide receiver, tight end, or a quarterback in two QB leagues, spend that fab in the top waiver wire priority in the first couple of weeks for the most value. Make sure you use all of your fab. You don't get to roll over to the next season, so use all of it no matter what. Um, and if you're in a dynasty league, use a bunch of that at the end of the season to just pick up new pieces for next year before it runs out, and uh, don't wait to use it. Number 14 and 15 kind of rolling together, but these are kind of some fun ones. Number 14, believe in yourself. So during the process, when you're planning ahead and you're doing all these things I just went, ran through, trust your process, trust what you're doing. Um, if you're brand new to fantasy football, we're here for you. You know that you can reach us out to us. You can DM us, leave a comment, shoot an email, do all these things. You can also reach out to other people as well. Um, and if you're OG and you've been doing this forever, you know the avenues, um, but also once you decide who your players are and the guys you want to draft and you've done mock drafts and you're ready for research, trust yourself. One thing that I find um, frustrating and I do it to myself quite a bit. That's why I put it in here to remind myself as well. Uh, something I put in here is that I do all this research all year long, run the podcast, do all this shit, have crazy uh, spreadsheets and I work with my team and everything. I get to my own personal drafts and sometimes I start to second guess my own research. Um, now I'm not always right. I, sometimes I make a better call than I would have if I read my own notes more often than not though, I've done all the research. I've done all the things. And when it's time to pull the trigger, I go against what I've actually been studying. And that oftentimes burns me. So trust the process, believe in yourself and uh, make sure that you're well prepared so that you can just go into the test and ace it on drafts and throughout the season. And number 15, last but not least, listen to us. Um, trying not to be arrogant when I say it, but at the same time, you know, Lucas and I and the rest of our team that's building, uh, we got Dweez and Tyler and Corey, and we got a handful of other guys in the back that are starting to join the team. We have a ton of assets here in year three of the TCK pod. If you've been listening from the beginning with Daniel and I, who you'll see again next week, he and I did a couple recap episodes for you. If you've been listening from the beginning, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that we're delivering quality content. Uh, we're learning too, of course, uh, you know, we're on the amateur level for now, but our goal really is to rise to the uh, rise to the top and get through the ranks. And we take it very seriously. Um, we're all diehard, super passionate fantasy football players. And we want to make sure that we're providing as much value for you as possible through as many avenues as we're able to. We have the new YouTube channel uh, for you. So again, subscribe and make sure to leave a comment down here and we'll be jumping in on those. We've got the Instagrams, the Twitter, the Facebook, the email, everything else. So, plenty of ways to reach out to ask questions. We DM and I respond back to every single one of you. So uh, feel free to reach out. Any, any question is it's not dumb. Um, any question you have, I'd be happy to help you best that I possibly can. Uh, so uh, number 14, believe in yourself. Number 15, listen to us. We're doing a lot of hard work and uh, you know, we, we put a lot of time and effort into this and, and we believe that we are bringing value for you. So those are the 15 things that we learned from 2018 or 2019, I should say, coming into 2020. Uh, I'm sure there are more. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a comment down below with what you learned in 2019 to help us out for 2020, and I'll share those out to our crew. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod, on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, Facebook with the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast page. Of course, you can shoot us an email as well, tckpod at gmail.com. A lot of information. I'm going to grab some water. I'm going to get out of here. You'll have a great rest of your day and a wonderful 
weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Daniel and I are going to be recapping our 2019 predictions, rolling through how those worked out, and jumping into 2020 as we turn the page finally on 2019, and we get into 2020 with free agency and the NFL draft coming up soon. Appreciate y'all. If you gain any value, please support us. Give us a like and a follow on the social medias, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Glasgow, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.